Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Liz Marino. Liz is the recipe developer and food photographer behind the site, thecleaneatingcouple.com. She creates simple, easy to follow, healthy recipes, most of which are paleo and Whole30. Liz has grown her site from a hobby to a six-figure business, and in addition to running her blog, she coaches other bloggers to grow their sites into businesses. In the episode, Liz shares the most underrated and overrated cooking tools, tips for making healthy eating as simple and easy as humanly possible, the things she makes on repeat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and more. In the episode, Liz and I also discuss a common misconception out there that eating healthy is too expensive. I honestly used to believe this myself until I discovered ThriveMarket.com. Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Ordering healthy groceries on Thrive is so easy because they ship everything directly to your door, but what I love most is the money I save. You can save anywhere from a few cents to several dollars on every single item you purchase. In fact, I was looking at Thrive yesterday and I found this pasta made with kamut wheat. I don't even know if that's how you say it. Kamut, kamut. Anyway, it's a type of grain. And on Thrive Market, the pasta was something like $7, but it said at grocery stores, the retail price is something like $13. I'm telling you, you can save several dollars on a single item. And that's how I was able to save over $1,000 on healthy groceries just last year. I could go on and on about Thrive because it's literally one of my favorite things, but I know you're eager to get to the episode. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. One more thing, if you've been enjoying what you hear on the Health Investment Podcast, I would be so grateful if you'd take a couple minutes to write an Apple podcast review. Reviews not only provide me with great feedback, but they also help the podcast gain traction and get discovered by new listeners. To leave a review, simply visit thehealthinvestment.com slash review. I can't thank you enough for your support. All right, let's hear from Liz. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode.
Hi, Liz. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I was just mentioning off air that I've only had one other guest on so far to kind of talk about simple, easy, healthy recipes. And that episode was a huge hit. So I know my listeners are going to love you and they're going to learn so much for you. And I just can't wait to pick your brain today. Hi, Brooke. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you about all things eating healthy. (laughs) Awesome. So I found you on Instagram at your handle, The Clean Eating Couple. Um, There's a the in the front, right? Yes. The Clean Eating Couple. Got it. So I'll definitely link that in the show notes. Um, But what caused you to start that? And I know the word couple is in there too. So I guess what led you and your now husband to start that? Yeah, so I started the clean eating couple when I was in college, actually. Um, I kind of have a little bit of a different story than most people. Instead of gaining the freshman 15, I lost the freshman 15. Um, When I went to school, I had never really worked out. And not that I didn't eat healthy, but it just wasn't a huge priority for me. Um, And I just was having a really hard time with college in general. And I found that my my boyfriend then, my now husband, said to me, why don't you just try going to the gym and walking on the treadmill for a few minutes a day, seeing how you feel. And then as that progressed, he said, well, what if you try to do an ab workout? What if you try to do this? And he was super into working out and eating healthy. Um, And I also started to kind of change my eating habits. You know, instead of getting chicken tenders and a burger at the dining hall, I would get a, a salad and I felt so much better. And I was like, wow, this is this is not that hard. And also at the same time, I was seeing so many other people starting blogs and whatnot. And I said, well, I, I feel like I should do this because so many people were asking me, you know, Oh, Liz, how did you make that smoothie? Or, Oh, what did you do with that? Or what was that brand that you posted about? So I started the blog really just as a way to kind of chronicle my health and wellness journey. And then Tyler, um, my husband kind of would help from time to time with workouts and whatnot. And as the years went on, I just saw blogging becoming an even bigger industry than I could have ever thought of. Um, And as I was working after I graduated college in marketing, I just didn't really love what I was doing. Um, I just never really felt fulfilled and found myself working on my blog every spare second, even during the work hours. (laughs) Um, And I realized that, you know, this is what I wanted to do. So I I really kind of went all in on it. And I quit my job in marketing to become a full-time food blogger. And it's just kind of grown from there. Oh, wow. What year did you start your blog? So I started my blog probably in, oh man, 2012, 2013. I always get the years messed up. Yeah, Um, so do I. (laughs) Yeah, actually. But that's a significant amount of time. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. So we're coming, yeah, I guess 10 years. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, back when I started though, it was very different from what it is today. I, it really was kind of like almost an online journal. A lot of blogs were back then. Right. You know, here's what I ate today. Here's a picture of this new thing I tried. There was nothing professional about it. And I probably had, you know, like three readers, one of them being my mom. So yeah. it certainly was not what it is now. So back then you said it was more of a journal. So were you kind of creating your own recipes during that time? Like you've mentioned a smoothie and then you realized, oh, I should actually start putting recipes on the blog. Or were you mostly following other people's recipes Like, how did you shift into recipe creation? Yeah, so it always was kind of a recipe blog, just with more of a personal twist on it. You know, if you were to go on my site right now, you're not going to really find, like, what I did today or, like, personal anecdotes. I kind of focus on the food. But back then, um, I was still sharing recipes. You know, I was taking a lot of the things that I 
grew up eating family recipes or, you know, things I like to eat and just finding ways to make them better for you, whether that be adding more veggies or maybe using like a leaner cut of meat or, you know, cutting back on if there was a super processed ingredient in it. So I always was kind of a recipe blog. Um, It just was not a full food blog. You know, we used to post about workouts, um, you know, just our daily lives and motivational quotes and things like that. But I did always share recipes. Mm. Uh, I just have so much respect for you in blogging. I started a blog myself, I don't know, four or five years ago, which was called Biohacking with Brooke. That was my first blog. And I got really into it. And it was kind of the same thing when I started my own sort of nutrition health journey in my late 20s. And I was a teacher, I was a high school English teacher. So I was working on it during lunch breaks and staying in my classroom later after school to write blog posts. But it's so time intensive. I mean, it takes a lot, like, you know, working on weekends and um, just even the back end WordPress, like web development, development part is a lot. Uh, So lots of respect. I think a lot of us just take (laughs) blogs and websites for granted and just, you know, absorb the content, but don't really realize what goes into creating the content. And it takes hours and hours. Thank you. Yeah, it does. It does take a lot of work um, to pretty much everything you said. I mean, it's not just the recipes that take the time. It's the back end stuff and learning how to use different things and make sure that the site is fast and make sure you're promoting the recipes. So there is a lot to it. But honestly, I, I know it sounds cheesy, but I really do love what I do. So it doesn't really feel like work. Um, most no, that's days. great. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, you even mentioned the part of promoting it. I know probably for recipes is the best thing that we can do for bloggers to rate a recipe and leave a review. Yeah, that is something that is, I think, often overlooked. But if you make a recipe from a food blogger and you like it, leaving a rating with a review is great. Normally, you can find it right underneath the recipe card. Um, And then the other thing you could do is share the link with your friends. But don't take a screenshot of it and post it on social media. I think people think that that's a good way to help bloggers, but it's actually not because then you're just, they have no reason to come to our site. Um, So sharing the link is always the best way to go about sharing if you want to. Interesting. So I'm thinking if you have fewer than 10,000 followers and you can't do like the swipe up thing, you could just even say in your stories, take a picture of it and then say, DM me for the link. Yeah. Or or make this. Yeah. Or even like I got this recipe from the clean at the clean eating couple or whatever food blog you got from, because I mean, we're all smart. We know how to Google. Like you can Google clean eating couple orange chicken and find what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the best way to probably go about sharing it. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'm very fascinated by the recipe creation process. I would love to know just how does this even start for you? Where does your inspiration come from? Kind of what are the steps from point A when no recipe exists to point B when you have that beautiful blog write up with the pictures and the ratings up and everything at the end? Sure, yeah. So I get inspiration from a lot of different sources, but most of the recipes on my site are things that I grew up eating. So they're family recipes or, you know, things that I my mom used to make that I really liked as a kid. Um, but then I also get inspiration from going out to a restaurant or, you know, 
maybe I see something in a magazine or even on Instagram and I think, oh, like I could make a healthier version of that. So that's kind of where the inspiration comes from. And then I also get lots of requests from people that read my blog. They'll say, you know, oh, I've always wanted a lemon bar recipe. That was something I did over the summer. summer. Um, So I get inspiration kind of from there. From that point, depending on what it is, sometimes I have to completely guess and be like, I have no clue where we're going with this. That's kind of what the lemon bars were like. Um, <laughs> but other times, you know, if I'm, if I'm working on like a soup or even a chicken recipe, I kind of know roughly, you know, okay, I think it should have this much olive oil. It should probably have this much broth, this many cups of veggies, whatever. So I'll write out the, like a rough draft of the recipe and then I will test the recipe a few times. Usually I test it once for like purely for taste and think, okay, like I need to add more salt to this. The texture wasn't right. Maybe it needs more of this. Maybe it needs more of that. Um, but then I will test it again for like to make sure that it's taste correct. And then I have to test it sometimes three more times if it's a recipe that is going to be cooked in the instant, because I like to provide instant pot, crock pot, and stovetop instructions. Um, So usually a recipe is being tested anywhere from like three to five times. Obviously, if it's a smoothie recipe, it's not being tested five times. You know, either it tastes good or it doesn't with an easier recipe like that. Um, But once the recipe is solid, I will go ahead and do the photography and film the you know, the videos for it, whether that be the videos for my website or Instagram story tutorials or Instagram reels or all the other things that we need to create video for, do all the photos. Um, And I also have people that help me with these things. Sometimes, you know, I have recipes that I cannot figure it out. Going back to this, I'm just going to run with this lemon bar example. Like I, I couldn't get it right. They, they were coming out just disgusting. So I turn to, I have a, a couple recipe developers that I have kind of like on call that I can use for different projects like this. And then I also have people that help me with food photography um, just for kind of one-off things. Most of the photos on my site are done by me, but I just kind of realized last year that I, I just couldn't do it all on my own. So I have some people that help me with photography. So once the photos are done, then I get to kind of the boring part, which is keyword research and SEO, making sure that which basically is making sure that my blog post is written in a way that it's going to have words that will help me rank on top of Google so that when you Google healthy lemon bars, I come up in the first spot. So using those keywords, I get to writing and then I publish it and promote it all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I you know, The keyword SEO part, I think, is another piece that people don't see. That yeah. Is, would you say that's one of your least favorite parts or yes for sure it takes a lot of time it's just not something that I enjoy doing um it but it's kind of like a necessary evil because without it I mean Google brings me about 60% of the traffic to my website so it's definitely important so you mentioned a few times healthy lemon bars let's say we'll keep rolling with the lemon bars so what do you do to kind of healthify recipes so yeah, that this is something that I could kind of go. There's there. I feel like there's a couple different views on eating healthy. Um, some people think that eating healthy just means that something has better ingredients. Some people think that eating healthy means it has lower calories. Uh, some people think that eating healthy is for weight loss or fat loss. Um, for me, and I should I should correct myself and say that they're not healthy lemon bars. They're healthier mm-hmm. lemon bars. They have 
it's for that recipe specifically, you know, it's lower in fat, it's lower in sugar, it's made with minimal ingredients, and it is sweetened from natural sugars versus and has way less than like the cups of sugar that would be in a typical lemon bar. So for me, that's healthier. But calorie for calorie, a lot of the times these healthy recipes, in quotes, um, are the same as a regular lemon bar. Uh, but another aspect of it is that some people are eating this way for because they have a diet. So meaning a dietary restriction, meaning gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free. So I try to provide recipes that also fall into that realm. I think you do I feel such like a I great kind of job. rambled with that. <laughs> no, I think you do a really good job of posting things that reach a broad number of people. And I know even for myself, I don't have well, actually, I guess we do technically now have an instant pot. My husband bought some monstrosity that <laughs> kind of doubles as a crock pot instant pot. I still don't even I haven't touched it. I still don't really understand what it is because it kind of intimidates me. But that's sort of my approach to cooking is the fancy gadgets almost are debilitating to me because I feel like they require more cleanup and I just don't exactly know what I'm doing. So I pretty much stick to just a pot on my stove, a sheet pan, a skillet, the most basic stuff. But I love how you give different options on your website for different, you know, somebody like me who doesn't have all the kind of fancier stuff, you can still just use a stove pot. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I personally am all for using the stovetop. Nine times out of 10, if I'm making anything, I'm cooking it in the stove or in the oven. And I really believe that you don't need fancy things to eat healthy. Um, it's kind of like one of the things that I like really stand for. Like eating healthy does not have to be expensive. It does not have to be complicated. And you don't need to use a million specialty ingredients um, or tools because there's there's nothing that you can do in these gadgets that you can't do with whatever is in your kitchen. The Instant Pot does the same thing as your stove. It just does it quicker. The Crock Pot, the same thing as your stove. It just does it over a longer period of time. So I don't – I personally don't love the ga- – I do love my Crock Pot. That's the one thing that I will say I really do love. But other than that, I'm not a gadgets girl. I'm a minimalist when it comes to my kitchen, and I don't like to have all those things around. Yeah, I used to love when I lived in New York City and I was teaching, I had a crock pot and that was great because you could set it and leave it when you're not there, you know, for the full day. Um, So I guess now since I work from home and now that my husband does as well, we're here so we can kind of monitor whatever's going on on the stove. But I do think that's a really nice feature of something like the crock pot. If you're busy, just kind of the set it and forget it and you come home and a meal is made. Um, But yeah, I think all of the gadgets, especially then the air fryer entered the picture and then there'll be something new. And I do think they can be helpful, but at the same time, some of the clients I've worked with in nutrition coaching, they almost feel like if I don't have all of the things, I can't make any of the things. And it's like, no, 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 let's go back to basics and you can actually make everything and it can be very simple. Um, what would you say are some of the other misconceptions out there about healthy eating? I think I mean, it's mainly the things that I mentioned earlier. I think that eating healthy is super expensive, that it takes a ton of time, that you have to have you know, all these skills or special gadgets like an air fryer or an Instant Pot. When in reality, I mean, for me, eating healthy is focusing on 
good quality ingredients. And the main things that I focus on are eating like good quality protein and lots of fruits and veggies with a focus more so on veggies with some healthy carbs and some healthy fats thrown in there. And when you break that down, it's it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, chicken, veggies, rice or potatoes, the, these aren't crazy expensive items. Um, and they also don't have to take a ton of time to cook. I mean, you can dump your chicken in a crock pot and let it cook for six hours, shred it, and then use it in different ways. You can make chicken salad. You can make burrito bowls. You can make um, soup with it. There, it's It doesn't have to be complicated. And I feel like as all of these diets kind of emerge and whatnot, we're almost like hyper-complicating what it means to be healthy when it doesn't need to be that way. If we just kind of get back to the basics, we'd all probably be better off and spend less time and less money when it comes to our food. Right. And I think when we follow a lot of food bloggers who do have all the fancy gadgets, and that's what we're constantly seeing as we're scrolling, and there are few people just using a stove pot anymore or, you know, kind of simplifying it as you do. It may, you may have the best intentions of let me follow all these people and get inspiration, but at the same time, it just may feel overwhelming to you <laughs> again of like, yeah. I don't have all that stuff or those ingredients that they're using, which again is why I really like your approach because the things you use, I generally have in my kitchen. Yeah, that's kind of my goal with all of my recipes. I mean, obviously I have some recipes that have, you know, maybe some specialty flour or maybe, you know, I'm using coconut aminos where you might have soy sauce in your pantry. But for the most part, my goal is that anything on my site, you most people could look at and be like, all right, I can do this. I have most of the stuff. And if not, I could probably substitute it or skip it or, you know, put my own spin on it, you know. Right. Are there any things that you make on repeat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner that are kind of your staples that you feel like we could all benefit from learning about. I always love hearing what people eat over and over. Yeah. So I am kind of an odd person and that I don't really like breakfast foods. Mm. Um, so I just eat lunch and dinner for foods for breakfast, which seems really strange. But once you do it a couple of times, your stomach doesn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are someone that likes breakfast foods, I, I just cannot – I can't do eggs. I wish I could. I try them every couple months and I'm like, no, I am still repulsed by this. But <laughs> an egg bake is like the easiest thing that you can make. I make them for my husband all the time. Um, basically, clear out your fridge and see what kind of veggies you have that are kind of on their way out. Um, chop them up, put them with some scrambled eggs and some egg whites and a little bit, you could do milk or almond milk. So it's not super eggy, uh, and bake it in the oven. I have a couple of recipes on my site if you want to link them. Um, and then, so that, that would be my recommendation for breakfast, but for lunch and dinner, we have taco bowls pretty much every single week. Just cook up some sort of ground meat, whether that's beef or turkey or chicken, with taco seasoning and serve it over a salad or add some rice or sometimes we'll do plantains or whatnot. Um, and then just all the taco toppings. Uh, and then we have soup all the time, especially right now in the winter time. I could eat soup year round, but in the winter time especially, I love soups because they're super easy, super pun intended, ah. uh, <laughs> to load up with veggies. That was the lamest joke ever. I like it. Um, <laughs> That's all that matters. to load up with veggies and protein. Um, So we eat a lot of that. And then chili. That's another thing we make pretty much every single week. 
because it's just so easy. I put it in the crock pot and it freezes really well. So I like to make a big batch so that we have it either throughout the week or to freeze for another night. Love that. I'm going to, I'm just typing all these out because I'll put links to everything that you've mentioned from your website in the show notes. Perfect. Uh, yeah, we got into a big chili kick over here and now my husband every Sunday, not every Sunday, but most Sundays will say, are we eating chili this week? It's just because <laughs> it's so easy. and It's so easy. I mean, I'm all about, especially because we work from home now. So we're making lunch and dinner usually yeah. every day. And, you know, I guess I was doing the same thing. I was just taking it with me when I was teaching. I'm like you. I'm not a big breakfast person. So I usually... I kind of even push it back and I'll have more of a brunch later in the morning after coffee. Um, That's usually what I do too. Yeah. But so I was still making lunches and taking them with me, but I don't know. There's something about cooking two meals at home now that feels like a bigger feat to overcome. (laughs) And we just try to have as many leftovers as possible. And as many things that we can reheat on hand as possible. That would be like one of my tips. Anytime I cook, I'm cooking for like six to eight people. Um, I, I mean, it's that. it's my husband and I and then my brother lives with us, so I really only need to be cooking for three. But I am always cooking way more than I need and it never, ever goes to waste. You're always like, oh, that seems like so much. And then the next day it's 12 o'clock and you were like, oh my God, do I have to cook something again? Um, so always cook more than you need. And worst case, you can freeze it because 99% of the time, whatever you're making will be fine if you freeze it. I love that. We do the same thing because there's only two of us. And I, even last night, I was whipping together the soup and I made enough for, like you said, six or eight people. So yeah. I already know what we're having for lunch today. <laughs> um, but I love too the tip that you have of just making a bunch of protein like chicken because then you yeah. can just repurpose it into different things. And I I find that it's easy. I know some people like to do meal planning and kind of get all of their meals set out. But I was realizing the other day, the way we meal plan is really based on just making a bunch of something and then using that thing and repurposing it into other things. It's almost like a constant episode of Chopped going yes. on over here. Okay. <laughs> here. We have chicken and we have rice and hot sauce. Go. Like, what can we make? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we approach it. But I think they're is some, you know, some people like to be more organized, which I totally understand. And I don't have kids yet, so I'm sure, you know, they're, yeah. they're not probably as adaptable to episodes of Chopped as my husband. <laughs> what are some yeah. of the pantry staples that you always keep on hand? So kind of going off of what you just said. So in terms of like my pantry, I always have the crushed tomatoes and, you know, I always have broth. Um, I always have spices and dried beans and rice in my pantry, but most of my staples are in my fridge and my freezer. And most of them are just like cooked protein, cooked carbs. Um, and then I always have frozen veggies and lots of condiments. Um, because if you have cooked protein and cooked carbs and frozen veggies and a condiment, you can make a delicious meal. So, you know, whether it's shredded chicken or pulled pork, rice or potatoes and then some frozen broccoli with some barbecue sauce like it's so easy and it makes for a really filling meal um so that's something that I always always have on hand at some point in time you will always find that in my fridge I love that you mentioned frozen vegetables because I think they get such a bad rap but we probably I love them 
I think they're the best kept secret out there that not enough people are using. I totally agree with you. I think they make it so easy to add. My goal is to like have at least a cup to two cups of veggies with like everything, uh, every plate that I have. Mm -hmm. Um, And that can be really hard or feel hard or it it is. It's more work if you have to wash them, chop them, all of that. But like I will crush a bag of frozen green beans in no problem. (laughs) Yes. I absolutely adore frozen vegetables. And even you mentioned green beans, canned green beans are another thing that I just rediscovered. And I don't think they're as healthy necessarily as fresh or even frozen green beans. But for a night when you're in a pinch and you just want to add some vegetables, I'm all about just kind of like however you can get the veggies on your plate, go for it. Yeah, I totally agree. And fresh and canned veggies are also super affordable compared to, I'm sorry, frozen and canned veggies are also super affordable compared to fresh. So if you are someone that is concerned about budget, I feel like they're the best option. Right. You mentioned condiments. What are some of your favorite condiments or even brands that we may not know about that you keep on hand? Yeah. So I, I have everything like my, the doors on my fridge are just bottle after bottle. Um, I really love true made foods. They make awesome barbecue sauces and ketchups that are lower in sugar. I like, uh, Tessie Mays, some of the primal kitchen stuff, not all of it. Um, the new primal also makes some great stuff. I like to buy different dressings and things from Thrive Market. They have like their own private label brand. Um, they have a membership, so you have to have the membership to be able to shop there. But um, I also love Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's um, and even Whole Foods have great brands um, of their own. You just have to watch because some of them are kind of branded to look like they're healthy, but they're actually made with kind of junky oils and ingredients. So my advice would just be like, check your labels um, because some of them are really great and super affordable, but some of them are just kind of sugary sauces. (laughs) Yeah. I would say Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, they do a lot of that. Yeah. Kind of this appears to be healthy. Even the Whole Foods salad bar, it's just Yes. And all the cheaper junky oils. I remember looking one time when I was in New York, and I think the only thing on the salad bar that was made with olive oil was the broccoli. And so I was like, cool, I'll get some broccoli. But, you know, I'm not super obsessive about the oils. I try to eat the fruit oils, I call them, you know, like the coconut, yeah. olive, avocado, whenever possible. Um, but yeah, I think if it's definitely if it's something you're going to keep on hand at all times, I totally agree. Check out the oils try to find the quote unquote cleaner, you know, whatever that even means, but the cleaner yeah. versions. Um, what, so you said you don't like all of the primal kitchen stuff, which things are you not a huge fan of? I, I just don't really like their barbecue sauce. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm trying to think that's really it. I should, I probably shouldn't have said that. They make really no, great stuff. Some of their dressings, I'm just like not a huge fan of the flavors of them, but yeah. they make really great stuff with really great ingredients. So if you are looking for a cleaner label, um, they are a really great option. They're sold pretty much everywhere as far as I know. But I think it's a good point to bring up because that's one of those brands that's everywhere, mm-hmm. or at least on my social media feed. Yeah. But with my clients, I'll have clients say something like that. Like I tried the Primal Kitchen Caesar and I didn't like it. And my first response is always, don't eat it. You know, like we don't yeah. want to get space where we feel like we have to eat things just because they're healthier and other people like them. 
I think that's the number one way not to sustain healthy eating is if you're trying to eat a bunch of stuff you don't like. So I actually appreciate that you said that because then you find alternatives and you find stuff you do like, which then makes it easier for you to sustain this long term. Yeah. And I think that there are so many brands out there and there are so many options that just because you try like one healthier version of barbecue sauce doesn't mean that they all taste like that. Don't mm-hmm. swear off of it and go back to your like sugary laden barbecue sauce. I mean, if that's like what you really love and like you want to have that every once in a while, then go for it. But um, I'm all about balance. But I like I didn't really love the Primal Kitchen barbecue sauce, but I love the True Made Foods one and it has it has a little bit of sugar in it, but like probably like, you know, a tenth of what regular barbecue sauce does. So for me, like that's a better swap for me. But in terms of dressings, like I like the Primal Kitchen dressing. So like I don't totally I don't totally write off any brand just because of one product they have. And I feel like you can't write off any healthier option just because you tried one and you didn't love it. Yeah. I think are you the one that also has the hot take about spin drift? Don't you not like Spindrift? Oh, yeah, I don't like Spindrift. I'm <laughs> sorry. I, think I feel it. bad. Like, I'm not usually one to, like, trash brands, but I – what bothers me is I see so many influencers that are like, you cannot live without this sauce. You cannot live without this drink. And it's like, no, like, we've been surviving for on water for years yeah. and we've all turned out okay. Like, it's fine if you don't have that – have access to that, don't have the budget for that, or, like, it's also cool to, like – not like that. You know, you don't have to like what everyone else likes. Exactly. And I think, yeah, I don't think it's even trashing it. I think, again, it's just refreshing to hear. And if you were working with a nutrition coach that was saying you have to replace all diet soda with Spindrift and you hate Spindrift, then that's going to be terrible for you, you know? So maybe there's another type of seltzer you like. Maybe you like to make your own with just regular seltzer with your own squeeze of fresh orange or lemon or something. There's always kind of workarounds. And I just am such a huge fan of finding out what you like. (laughs) Yes, I totally agree with you. Because the reality of it is is if you cut out all those things that you absolutely love, like even the barbecue sauce, like if if your thing is like eating pulled pork with that that favorite brand of barbecue sauce and like suddenly you can't have that, all you're going to be thinking about is that. Um, And Mm -hmm. it just leads to like such a vicious cycle of like just feeling like crap. So I'm all for like eating things in moderation and and not being kind of dogmatic about like what you can or can't eat or what you should or shouldn't like. Totally. I even think the same goes for salad. I know, you know, everybody's always posting these big, beautiful salads and I enjoy salad, but I absolutely hate washing lettuce. So if somebody <laughs> were to tell me I had to buy a head of romaine lettuce every week and wash it myself, I would never ever make salad. So I just think it's this self-awareness. So I know myself and I know when we're at Costco, we buy the thing that has kind of the shredded cabbage and kale. Yeah. The like cruciferous crunch. Yep. That's what it's called. Yep. So we buy that one or instead of lettuce, we usually will buy a head of cabbage. And I just find that easier to kind of wash the outside of it pull off the outer leaves and chop that up. So those are kind of our salad go-tos. I don't ever buy the kind of leafy greens that you have to wash because again, that will keep me from eating the thing and it'll probably go bad in my refrigerator. 
Some mm-hmm. people, it doesn't bother them. You know, yeah. it's like, I'll wash dishes. That doesn't bother me. It's <laughs> something about washing heads of lettuce that I absolutely hate. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. You will rarely find a head of lettuce in my fridge. It is always the bag salad that is pre-washed and ready to eat. <laughs> I do not want to do that. Exactly. What are, uh, you mentioned yeah. Instant Pot, Crock Pot. What are some of the kind of underrating, underrated cooking tools, would you say? It doesn't even have to be one of those fancy gadgets? Is there something that you use all the time that everybody should have? Um, I'm going to give you like a super cheap one and then like a little bit of a more expensive one. So for my super cheap, every kitchen should have this. It is called, I think it's called a chop stir. It is a tool that it's just like made out of plastic. Um, they, they have like, I think stainless steel ones too, but, um, it breaks up ground meat in a pan. It almost has like a little fan on the bottom of it with like four different prongs. And you, this is kind of hard to describe, but rather than, you know, when you have like a brick of ground beef in a pan and you're trying to break it up with a wooden spoon and the pieces are all uneven, this, you can just like twirl around in the pan and it breaks everything up and it just fits in like your utensil draw. So that is amazing. I can give you the link to that. Um, I use that every time I cook ground meat, which is multiple times a week. And then my more expensive one, my like splurge item, I guess I have two. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you three. (laughs) Yeah, Um, go for it. Would be a really good knife. I, Mm -hmm. I love Cutco knives. My favorite one is their petite Santoku knife. It is just like the best. It's super easy to handle. I'm like kind of a, I have smaller hands and I just find it's like really easy to work with. And then the other thing that I absolutely – I use that every single day. The other thing I use pretty much every single day is my KitchenAid mixer. I love that thing. It is not just for people that bake. I make everything in it. I make meatballs in it. I shred chicken in it. I Anything you can put in the KitchenAid mixer, you will find me using it for. I use it more than probably anything in my kitchen. See, that's something I never would have thought of because I do not own a KitchenAid, but I don't bake a ton. And for me, it's always been KitchenAids are for baked goods. So even just that tip is so helpful. So what do you use that kind of big white wand thing to shred stuff up or? Yeah, I just use like the paddle attachment and I put, I put the cooked chicken in the, um, in the bowl of it. And then it's just the regular paddle um, attachment and I turn it on low and with like a couple swirls, you could also do this with um, a hand mixer too. If you do it on low, it'll just shred the chicken. I mean, you can also do it with forks, but if you're feeling yeah. lazy, <laughs> this is is super easy to do. Oh, wow. What about the most overrated cooking tools, would you say? I think that the Instant Pot is one of the most overrated kitchen tools. I, I've been trying to love it for probably three or four years now, ever since I got it, and I just don't. It is an over in my house it is used to cook rice and it is used in like an absolute pinch when I've had an insane day and I have no other option and I'm starving and I want to get dinner on the table so quick um but even then I'm just always underwhelmed by it everything I feel like unless you're making a soup everything is just mushy and soggy and it's so finicky. You can never get anything right in it with the timing. I don't know. I don't know if it's user error, but I mean, like I said, three or four years and I still don't love it. I don't understand people that use it every single day. No, I think that, again, I love the hot takes. I love because <laughs> I feel like I, again, we have this contraption. I guess it's sort of an instant pot, but I have never really 
wanted one, but for a while, it's kind of like the craze diets. Yeah. Where it's all you're hearing about. It For a while, it felt like you could not cook anything without an Instant Pot. And if you didn't have one, you were missing out on the best kept secret in the world. So I appreciate that. Do you have any favorite recipe babies, we'll call them? Just your favorite, favorite recipes on your site that are people's favorite as well? Yeah, probably my healthier pad thai. I absolutely love that. That's I make that pretty frequently as like a treat. Um, and then our orange chicken is our most popular recipe on the site. That one's really delicious too. And then I have like a really soft spot for all of the family recipes that I have on my site. So they're not necessarily healthy recipes, but I have like a lot of my grandmother's recipes up there and some of my mom's recipes, things I grew up eating. So those are some of my favorites too. I just saw too that you made the orange chicken with chickpeas. Yeah. So if somebody vegetarian or vegan, they could try that out. Yep. That's awesome. I'm wondering, I kind of like asking this question, but is there anything over the, what, eight years you've had your blog, is there anything that you've kind of changed your mind about since starting The Clean Eating Couple, either something about health or nutrition, something you used to believe was true and now you think is just bogus? Um, Maybe it's the Instant Pot. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't anything that really sticks out in my mind, but I guess something that I do think about pretty frequently when I started my website, clean eating, and I like I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but mm. was um, just like kind of coming to be. And at the time, it felt like it was really being used to describe like being more mindful of the ingredients in your food. But I really, as the years go on, I really don't like the word clean eating because clean almost implies that a food is good versus dirty, makes it seem like it's bad. And I just don't really like the negative mindset that comes with that. Um, but that's that's just more of a personal thing, that so, <laughs> which is odd because that's my brand, but we've come this far with it. I'm not going to change it. But it's just something like I always get messages from people and they're like, if I were to post, you know, that I'm eating pasta for dinner or that I'm having a cookie for dessert and, and they'll be like, that's not clean eating or like, looks like you're having a cheat meal. And I'm like, no, there's not, mm -hmm. I'm not cheating anything. Like I'm, I'm not, this is, this isn't like a bad food. It's just not mm -hmm. something that I eat every day because I know how it makes me feel and I know what's in it. And like, you know, it's not really doing anyone any favors. Um, that I just hate the negative mindset that is really put on food that is not, you know, a hundred percent organic and grown on a local farm and fresh produce and all of that. I mean, obviously those are the things that I fill my diet with. That's what makes me feel great. But I think that we need to stop making everything else seem like the devil unless it's perfect when it comes to our food. Right. Everything's gotten so black and white. Yeah. Just, and people have almost a religious affiliation with the diet they follow or the ingredients they buy or don't buy. Yep. Um, but I think you bring up such a important word and it's one that I also continually work with my clients on. It's just the mindset of it all. Yep. And I don't know, I kind of like that your handle is clean eating because you can sort of rebrand that and show that it doesn't have to be this perfection that you see some people posting about yeah. it can be almost clean eating the mindset of clean eating is allowing yourself like you said if barbecue sauce is your thing 
and you never want to go to a low sugar barbecue sauce, then do you, that's amazing. You know, maybe there's something else in your life where you can kind of make tweaks here and there. Um, but yeah, I like, I like that you kind of talk about that from a different perspective. So from an outsider, I think it's very refreshing to see clean eating, but then not this like religious adherence to it. Yeah. Because I mean, like I said before, I I eat this way because it's what makes me feel best. But at the end of the day, if I felt great eating macaroni and cheese, pizza and cookies every day, Mm -hmm. like I would be eating that. Like, let's be real. That that is way more delicious than any salad, than any recipe on my website. Like, it is right. what it is. Like, you can't change it. But I think that eating healthy is also a form of self-respect. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me it is. So that's why I, I keep keep doing it all these years later. Well, kind of in that vein, perfect segue, I ask each of my guests a final question, which is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? So I, you had sent me this question over before, and I didn't even mean to kind of segue into this, but I will read you what I had written down. Um, so for me, making the health investment means doing what's best for you and your health. And sometimes that's eating a bowl of veggies with dinner, and other days it's in eating cookies with your family. Um, and I think like you said before, it doesn't have to be black and white. Uh, every day is different. Um, and as long as you are trying your best to make an investment in your health, you're on the right track. I love that. Where can listeners follow and find you? Just let's hear all of your handles and websites <laughs> in one place right now. Yeah, for sure. So you can find me at thecleaneatingcouple.com. Um, I'm on Instagram and pretty much everywhere, Facebook, Pinterest, at The Clean Eating Couple. There is the the there. Um, And you can also reach out to me either via DM on Instagram or you can send me a note to my email, liz at thecleaneatingcouple.com. I'm always happy to chat with anyone, whether you have recipe questions or blogging questions. I'm pretty much an open book, so feel free to reach out. Oh, that's awesome. Did I read somewhere that you also help people who want to start blogs at this point, kind of like a business coaching thing? Yeah, I do. I do blog coaching. Um, So if you are someone that has a food blog and you are looking to grow it, I would love to help you do that. So feel free to send me a note about that too. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing your email. I feel like yeah, I'm not happy many to. guests do that. And I can vouch you do respond very promptly and <laughs> with enthusiasm. <laughs> yes, it is me behind all my emails. I answer all of them and I, I will get back to you pretty quickly. <laughs> I do find that people always think they're going to be a bother or, you know, they don't want to reach out. But I don't know about you, but I just love it when somebody will reach out and say, hey, this post you did really spoke to me or I tried this. I mean, that that's why I do what I do is to yep. connect with people. And I think we kind of lose that social part of social media. And people think like, oh, I don't want to. I guess maybe sometimes the nice people think they don't want to reach out. The people who want to <laughs> criticize, they have no problem. <laughs> yeah, you're totally right. But I feel the same way. I love connecting with people. Um, what I do is like, it's kind of isolating. I mean, it's really just me in my house just staring at my computer screen and my phone screen. So I always love talking to real people and hearing your thoughts and getting your feedback and whatnot. For sure. Well, thank you so, so much for this episode, Liz. I know it's going to be a listener favorite. I can already tell. So I'm just very appreciative, appreciative of your time and just everything you shared with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on, Brooke. I really appreciate it. Well, that's all for today. 
thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.